0: Thanks for tuning into this week's message. For more resources and information about Cedar Valley, please visit cvchurch.org. All right, now time to get into the message. I just want to start. I usually like to show uh, some of the mistakes that I've made in my own life, right? You're aware of some of those things and that's kind of how you get into a relationship. You just kind of expose some of your own weaknesses. So early on in marriage, I got this phone call. I was elated with this phone call. They called and said, you have been selected for a free vacation. And I'm like, tell me no more, tell me more. Where do I sign the dotted line? They said, all you have to do is come to our main office and listen to a 45 minute presentation. After the presentation is finished, the vacation is all yours. Of course, I got off the phone and I said, babe, we have a free vacation. Can you believe that of all, I never win. I never win in the lottery. I never win in any prize, even at church, I never win. But I want a vacation this day and I was going to make the most of it. So I said, Crystal, we've got to drive to the main office and we've got to listen to this presentation. I have no idea what they'll pre-present it, it doesn't even matter. We want a vacation. We need to go claim our prize. And she looked at me and she says, there's got to be a hook somewhere in that. And I said, it doesn't matter. It's not going to catch me. All I know is that we've got a vacation and it's free. She looked at me and I'll never forget. She looked at me and she says, can I trust you? And I said, of course you can trust me. I mean, have I ever let you down? You can't use the Hummer against me, we weren't married. (laughs) So we go down to the main offices, she's nervous, I'm happy, right? I mean, I can smell Cancun, I can smell the street tacos. I get into the presentation, man, whoever whoever did the presentation, they were good, they were awesome because we left that place vacation, members, Vacation Club members. We made a down payment that day and a $74 monthly withdrawal for two years to belong to the club. We didn't even know we wanted to be a part of this club, but they were so good in their presentation that we belonged to the club. And for two years, we used it one time. And on the way home, she looked at me and she says, you told me I could trust you. And I said, I didn't know they would be so good. So good. So good. Be careful if you ever received that phone call. If I kind of give you a little more insight to my own personal life, and I'm being completely honest, I would say, the way Crystal looked at me that day and said, said, I thought you said I could trust you. I have had moments like that. This could be shocking to you, but it's the truth. I've had moments like that in my life where I say that exact thing, but to God. I thought you said I could trust you. I mean, these days, you just watch the news for a few minutes, you could easily go into doubt mode. If there was a great big God, there's no way stuff like that would be happening. You look back at the history of my life, there have been seasons in my life of deep pain, confusion. Just didn't understand. All I could say was, God, I thought you said I could trust you. I thought you said I could trust you with my life. If that's true for me, then I would just assume with the room filled with this many people that surely there's other people who are sitting in this room today who would say, I've asked the same question. I mean, I was, I was, I was going through a, a very painful divorce and all I could do is say, God, I, I thought you said I could trust you. Maybe it was when the diagnosis with terminal illness and, and, and you just drove away saying, God, I thought you said I could trust you. Maybe as you look through the finances of, uh, uh, in your home and, and just how things aren't adding up and, and you just get to a place where you're like, God, I thought you said I could trust you. I don't know if this is true, but, but I would say I think it's true that maybe we're all asking this question every once That happened in a while. Can God be trusted? I mean, can we truly place our trust in God? That's the question that we're going to answer um, today. Matthew chapter 21, verse 1 through 5. When you have it, stand to your feet. This will be our primary text. Those of you who are new with us today, don't think we do this every time we read the Bible. We don't. But we do it the first time because it's just our way of reminding us that this is God's holy word. All authority, we believe, comes from his holy word. So we do this out of reverence um, to him. Matthew chapter 21, verse 1 through 5. Matthew 21, verse 1 through 5, and it says this. And Jesus and the disciples approached Jerusalem. They came to the town of Bethpage on the Mount of Olives. Jesus sent two of them on ahead go into the village over there. He said, as soon as you enter it, you will see a donkey tied there with its colt beside it untie them and bring them to me. If anyone asks what you are doing, just say the Lord needs them and he will immediately let you take them. This took place to fulfill the prophecy that said, tell the people of Jerusalem, look, your king is coming to you. He is humble riding on a donkey riding on a donkey's colt. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for this beautiful Palm Sunday. Thank you, Father, for every person in this room, every person watching online. Just pray, God, that for the next few moments that you would just do an amazing work in our hearts, that you would bring to surface the things that are within us that are still left maybe unresolved. Father, I pray that uh, our, our faith would be strengthened today. Build our faith. God, work in us. We, we believe that this is just not another Sunday, just not part of the routine. But, Lord, you are active. You are moving. Holy Spirit, we already sense you in this place. Your power is in this place. We can feel your power in this place. So, God, do a work in our hearts. We pray in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. 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 You may be seated. Well. It's Palm Sunday, everybody, and as children, we all looked forward to this day because you were sure to get your palm tree branch as you entered into Children's Church. And you really never knew why the palm tree branch, but it was fun to have and to play with. And as you all know, and Neil alluded to this, that... This is the beginning. Palm Sunday is the beginning of Holy Week, Passion Week, right? And so on this day, Jesus made his triumphant entry into Jerusalem and people were were waving their branches, their palm branches. Those branches were were a a sign, a symbol, a remembrance of the victory that God had given them over the course of their history, right? Palm branches would even be etched into the temple, and it was kind of always used as a a symbol. Uh, Jesus comes riding on a donkey, which is a little bizarre because historically, kings would come riding on a war horse, right? the best of the best, they would ride in with this amazing demonstration of authority and power and countless members in their entourage, right? Jesus comes in riding on a donkey, right, with humility and peace as his demonstration, right? Not a huge entourage, that's Jesus' entry, the, the triumphal entry. That's the whole Palm, Palm Sunday. They're singing, Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna. Here they think their king is coming to save them. Hosanna, save us. Hosanna, save us, oh God, save us, oh God. There he is, the king. Man, what a beautiful day that must have been. And you know, this week, Holy Week, these seven, this seven-day stretch in history, perhaps the the, the, the pinnacle of our faith, Right? Our faith hinges on the, the, the events of, of Holy Week. And I think that today uh, it is fitting for us to, to answer the question Can I trust God? Can God be trusted? Just looking within the window of Passion Week, I think we can really find. Our answer. We're going to look at two different things within the Holy Week. I'm going to share a personal experience with you. And then together we're going to work through an exercise ensuring that our unresolved issues are now, uh, we give permission to Jesus step into that with us, beside us, for us. So the first thing I'd like to do is take a look at God's track record. In, in just this span of time, now, I want to just take you to Second Peter if you would, go to Second Peter. Uh, and if you don't have it, it's on your screen. It'll be on the screen here for you. But Peter is talking to a, you know, a scattered church, right? They are now scattered throughout the Roman Empire, which is like modern-day Turkey. And he is just strengthening the church. And I, and I kind of noted some of the, the themes, right? He's paying attention. He's teaching about paying attention to the Scripture and growing in faith and speaking to the elders and the young men. And he gets to this idea of, of the prophetic, right? The prophetic is is, is a... Big churchy Christianese word. If you're here today and you've always wondered what does that even mean, the, the the basic definition would just be inspired prediction, right? A prophecy is when God would speak through man, right? His word. It is inspired prophecy, and Peter is addressing this very thing. Uh, apparently, the, the church then is also wondering about this. Okay, and so this is what Peter says to them. Above all, again, he's teaching through several different. He's teaching, right? He's teaching about the spiritual life. He's teaching how to be a young man, how to be a man, how to interpret the Bible. And he says, above all of that that I've said, you must understand, which is fair because I think even today, like we must understand. We must understand that no prophecy inspired prediction of scripture came about by the prophet's own interpretation of things. The prophet is the man. Right, A prophecy is not the man's interpretation of something. Okay, Peter is clearing up the confusion. He goes on to say, For prophecy never had its origin in human will, but prophets through human spoke from God. So a prophecy is a human speaking for God. Not, his, not from his own heart, not from his own perspective, not from his own intellect. No, he's speaking for God, from God, as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. Okay, so, so we now know that there is prophecy. The Old Testament points to Jesus in the New Testament. All of the Old Testament points to Jesus. All of the Old Testament points to Jesus. Now, let's go back to our primary passage, Matthew chapter 21, Four and 5 and it says so this took place to fulfill the prophecy the inspired right prediction that said look your king is coming to you he is humble riding on a donkey okay this was said this was said before it happened so now let's go to Zechariah chapter 9 verse 9 and this is what it says The Old Testament points to Jesus. Zechariah 9.9 says, look, your king is coming to you. Keep in mind, this is 500 years before Jesus. 500 years before Jesus would say to the two fellows in the suburbs of Jerusalem, go into that city and you will find a donkey and its colt tied to a fence post. Remember when that happened? 500 years before that, the prophet said this, Look, your king is coming to you. He is righteous and victorious, yet he is humble, riding on a donkey. Righteous and victorious. The the palm tree branches are a symbol of victory. 500 years before this takes place, you already see that, that even down to the detail of the donkey, the Palm Week, the, 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 the Holy Week, Passion Week, there are hundreds of prophecies fulfilled just during this week alone. I think it's intriguing that all the way down to the detail of the donkey, that's how accurate this is, 500 years before it even comes to pass. And then Isaiah 53, many of you are familiar with this. I don't have all the verses on the screen Um, for this one. But let's go to Isaiah. If you have your Bible or your phone, pull up Isaiah 53. Isaiah, Jeremiah, Lamentations, Ezekiel, Isaiah 53. Now, Hezekiah is 500 years, Isaiah 700 years before this moment. Isaiah 53, and then we're going to come up a few verses. We're going to go to, I'm just going to read a few verses out of this So let's go to 52, verse 14. It says this. But many were amazed when they saw him, him being Jesus. His face was so disfigured he seemed hardly human. And from his appearance one would scarcely know he was a man. He being Jesus. Now we go to chapter 53, verse 3. He was despised and rejected, a man of sorrows, acquainted with the deepest grief. We turned our backs on him and looked the other way. He was despised and we did not care. Verse four, yet it was our weakness he carried, it was our sorrows that weighed him down. And we thought his troubles were a punishment from God, a punishment for his own sins. Who are they talking about? Jesus. Verse five, but he was pierced for our rebellion crushed for our sins. He was beaten so we could be whole. He was whipped so we could be healed. Now, if we just jump to Mark chapter 15, verse 15 through 20, here's what it'll say. Go to Mark chapter 15. Keep your fingers where you're at. Keep your fingers in Isaiah. Don't lose that. Mark 15, so to pacify the crowd, Pilate released Barabbas to them. He ordered Jesus flogged with a lead-tipped whip, then turned him over to the Roman soldiers to be crucified. Do you guys know what flogging is? You understand what it means to be flogged? That's the ultimate humiliating beatdown of beatdowns. Isaiah, 700 years before, says exactly that. Let's go down to verse 17. They dressed him in purple robe, and they wove thorn branches into a crown and put it on his head. Then they saluted him and taunted, Hail, king of the Jews. And they struck him on the head with the reed stick, spit on him, and dropped to their knees in mock worship. When they were finally tired of mocking him, they took off their purple robe and put his own clothes on him again 700 years the prophet Isaiah spoke God spoke through the prophet Isaiah of what would happen to his son Jesus now go back to Isaiah we'll go to 53 verse 7 says he was oppressed and treated harshly yet he never said a word verse 8 Actually, the, 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 the sentence right above, verse 8, he did not open his mouth. Now I want you to go to Luke 23.9. Luke 23.9. He asked Jesus question after question, but Jesus refused to answer. question for you. Can God be trusted? If God says he's going to do something and he does it, it proves him as trustworthy. Would you agree? The entire Old Testament points to Jesus. All the prophecies of the Old Testament have been fulfilled. Now, I get In our world great party planners but like this is like a whole nother level of accuracy I mean every detail all the way down to the donkey God gets it right when God says he's gonna do something and he does it it proves that God is trustworthy so yes According to the evidence found in Scripture, God can be trusted. Another example I'd like to look at is that of Jesus. Now, Jesus gives us this great example just during Passion Week. Again, answering the question, can God be trusted? You remember before his crucifixion, he goes into the Garden of Gethsemane to pray, right? His first prayer Matthew 26, 39b says this, My Father, if it is possible, let this cup of suffering be taken away from me, yet I want your will to be done, not mine. You see, Jesus is plagued with pain and suffering. The Bible says that he's even sweating blood. Like he is fully God, he is fully human. He is fully God, so he knows this is going to happen. He knew that this was going to happen. But he is also fully human. He is dealing with the pain of suffering. He is asking his father, if there is something you can do, if there is somehow another way, if you can somehow, you know, just figure out another way to do this, please, would you do this? Take this cup from me, yet... Not my will, but your will be done. In essence, what he's saying is, yet I know that I can trust you. His next prayer is this. Matthew 27, 46b, Jesus called out with a loud voice, my God, my God, why have you abandoned me? And this is Jesus fully God. He knows this is going to happen, yet he's fully human and he is dealing with the abandonment from his father. God had to withdraw himself from his son because it was his plan that his son would come and suffer and die and be rose again for the salvation of all humanity. Here you see Jesus crying out, crying out, God, Father, why have you abandoned me? In essence, when you cry out in your own car or in your closet or at your home or wherever you are and you're saying, God, can you be trusted? This is what you're saying. God, you know how many books on Amazon are being sold today that say something to the effect of, can God hear me? Where are you, God? Jesus felt that same abandonment that many of us feel today. Many of us, I would say, are sitting in this room today, even asking the question today, God, why have you done this to me? Why can't you respond to me? Why can't I hear you? Don't you care? Don't you care about what's happening in my life? Why, God, have you abandoned me? The next prayer that Jesus praises, then Jesus shouted, Father, I entrust my spirit into your hands. With all that I'm going with all my confusion with the way I feel God I place my trust into your hands. And with those words, he breathed his last breath. Fully God. He knew this was going to happen. Jesus knew this was going to happen. 500, 700 years prior to this happening, it was said it would happen. And now it is happening. But the humanity of Jesus we see. We see the humanity of Jesus. And perhaps the reason why we see the humanity of Jesus is so that way you and I can realize that he knows what we're going through. That he has felt the pain that you feel today. So the question once again for you and I is, can I trust God? Can I trust God? Everything he says he would do, he did. Can I trust God? His own son trusted him. Now there's been some things in my own life and I'm going to share some things with you that you maybe don't know. One thing you know is this, the joy of our life is certainly Aiden, almost nine years old. When he was born, it really threw me into a dark place. I had the question, God, why would you do this to us? The chances of you having a child with Down syndrome is one in about 698. I won that day, just like I did the vacation. I won that day. And it was tough for me. It was was tough. We had to learn to trust God with Aiden. We didn't know how to raise children. Nonetheless, a child with special needs, right? My, my wife, thank God, is just a rock star when it comes to Aiden and his needs. But we have learned to trust God with Aiden. I don't find myself wrestling with the idea of, man, God, can I trust you when it comes to Aiden? I feel like I've worked through that. I feel like, like we've worked through that. He's part of our family. Wouldn't, we wouldn't change a thing at all. He's part of our family. However, there are still other parts of our life um, that we're still working through. January 25th, 2016, my wife and I were driving to the medical center of the Rockies uh, in northern Colorado to uh, to deliver our baby. And we were singing the song Good, Good Father. You Remember that song, Good, Good Father? We're singing this song on the way to the hospital. We are elated because finally the day has come. We're going to bring our beautiful little girl into uh, this world, and when we arrive to the hospital, they get her all prepped up. She's going to have a cesarean, and and so so as we're about to go into the the delivery room, you you suddenly see panic come upon the doctors and nurses, and so you, it it has a way of like making you feel unsettled, right? So I'm unsettled. I'm I'm not asking yet, but I'm about to ask. What are you guys? Why are you acting like that? What, what's what's happening? Is there something that we should be concerned about? Well, yes, in fact, there was something for us to be concerned about. Our daughter, who, who uh, was to be born completely healthy, um, and, and by the way, it was an act of faith to even go for another child because if you have a child with Down syndrome, your chances of having a second child with Down syndrome is now, uh, is now 50% greater. So rather than one out of 698, it's now one out of 340 something. So, 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 just going to the to, to that next step of even having a child was a, was a step of faith that we had to wrestle through. Um, but on that day, uh, we received some very devastating news that our child had a court accident, and uh, and and, the, and she she didn't make it. She didn't make it. And and I'm you know I'm pastoring a church, and and I have no idea what to do. I have no idea what to say. I can tell you this, full disclosure, super angry at God. I was angry with God because I felt like I had already kind of had my trial, spread the love out a little bit. You see other children born and it's, it's, a, it's supposed to be that kind of experience, right? Talk about moments of confusion. I held Annalise in my hands. And I begged God to put breath back in her lungs. And nothing happened. I was angry. A few days later, we would bury her. Parents aren't supposed to bury their children. She was everything we desired and wanted. And I could not for the life of me understand why God would allow something like this to happen. Why? You can make a difference. You can do this. I I said, God, you're the only one who can do this. Do you know, God, the testimony that this would be for every nurse and every doctor in this place? God, I will tell the story everywhere I go. I will tell the story of your power, of of your miracle-working power and how you can take the dead and bring them back to life. I will do all of that And absolutely nothing, nothing happened. And then they came and said, we need to take your daughter. And they put her in a car seat and covered her with a blanket and they walked her out of the hospital. And I would never be able to hold her again. I would now have to just wrestle through the confusion of this moment and somehow I'd have to help my wife do the same thing. We're going to walk through an exercise together in just a moment, but I just want to give you a heads up. How we as Christians go about working through our pains is not the world's way. Just like Jesus came in on a donkey when all the others came in on a war horse, just like others would come in in power and authority and Jesus chose to come in in humility and peace, how we as believers of Christ manage the confusion and the pain of our life matters. And it doesn't make sense to those on the outside. It doesn't make sense for you to place your pain in the hands of Christ. It doesn't make sense for you to let it go. Everybody wants to do what Will Smith does, did. But that doesn't work. That's not God's way of, that's not godly resolution. God's way is, can you place your life in my hands and let me sort through the issues that you have? You can trust me. You can trust me. I'm a man of my word. I said I would do it, and I did it. You saw the example in my son, Jesus. We're reading the book together as a staff, and one of the things that he said stood out to me. It said, our real problem is not the pervasiveness of darkness, but a failure of light. And to me, that really says as dark as our world is today, and it's dark, don't get me wrong, your pain is real. It is a dark world that we live in, but that's, it's really not on darkness. No, it's, it's the absence of light. It's the absence of Christ followers working through the pain of everyday life in a way that honors God. Rather than taking matters into your own hand, God says, put them into mine. It doesn't make sense unless you know him and then you place your trust in his hands. The question that we're answering today is, can I trust God? Can I trust God? And I just want you to know God is trustworthy. He has demonstrated that. And as Neil spoke last week, just remember his goodness in your life. Remember, go back to those moments when he was there for you, when he was faithful. Think of your parents. Think of those before you who loved God and you saw God to be faithful to them. Even when you can't see it, you just need to know God is good. He is faithful. He is a good, good father. You can put the whole message into this one statement. You can place your complete trust and a God who is completely sovereign. Listen, you're a sovereign God when you can say it 700 years before it happens. And it happens the exact same way you say it. Over and over and over and over and over and over times 100 again. You can trust a God who says it. Listen, wouldn't you want to put your trust in a God who is alive and has a reputation of always coming through than a block of wood or some kind of shrine made out of metal or, or some kind of a necklace that you wear around your, your neck? I mean, wouldn't, wouldn't you want to put it, your trust in a living God who has proven himself faithful than putting your trust in something that this culture has to offer? So here's how we're going to respond today. We're going to do two things together. We're going to identify and we're going to invite Jesus into our pain. So I just want you to trust me with something. I want you to close your eyes right there where you're at. And I just want you to make a bowl with your hands. Just make a bowl with your hands. And, and I'll just say this at any moment as I'm walking through this with you right there where you're at. If you feel like you need to just skip the step and come to the altar and just weep before God or lay your pain out before God, j- just be obedient to whatever it is you feel the Holy Spirit doing in you. But as you have that bowl right in front of you, I just want you to think for a moment of your unresolved issues and pains. Not the things you've worked through, but the things that you haven't worked through. And I'll just be honest with you. Some, for some of us, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's an unforgiveness that's been there for far too long. Not, not one year, not two years, not five years, maybe 10 years, 15 years, 20 years. And it, it is there, and it's not going anywhere. Maybe it's bitterness. Maybe it's bitterness because of a tragic event that took place in your life and you just can't get over it. The only one you can blame is God because no one else could allow this to happen but God and it's there and you do your best to walk through the motions of being a faithful Christian, a faithful husband, a faithful father, but there's this thing there that is unresolved and it causes you to ask the question, God, can I trust you? I don't know what that issue is for you. I shared with you one of the things that I'm dealing with and that still to this day, I question. I don't understand. I do know that we're working through it because we later would have a daughter. Her name is Adelie. And and my wife named her Adelie because the name Adelie means God is great. And it's not that we felt that way in the moment. It's just that we knew that was true. And so what is it that you would say, this is what I have in my hands. Do you have that thing? Do you have that thing that, that you just know that's my issue? That's for sure the unresolved thing in me. It's been a part of my life too long. You may even feel this pressure. And it's for sure Satan. And he's, he's just trying to get you to say, don't don't expose it. Don't get emotional. Don't open this can of worms. Just let it pass you by. And I just want you to know that's not, that's not the resolute. That's not, that's not what, what we need to do today. God is saying, you can put that into my hands. And trust me with it, I'm a man of my word. I am a faithful God. I am sovereign. I am alive and well. I know everything about your life, the detail of your life. Do you have that thing? And now that you have that, I want you to invite Jesus into that pain. And I just want you to consider what Jesus would say about resolving that. Maybe it's encouraging you to forgive and move forward. Maybe it's him saying to relent and let it go and to trust him with it. We can't turn our back on him now. We're committed to this thing. We asked the Holy Spirit to move in our hearts before we started this, and he's done that. Now we can't avoid this. We're committed to this thing. Listen, if this is you and I'm speaking directly to you, I just want you to just get up out of your seat and come to the front right now. Come, come, just step out. There's a lot of you. There's a lot of you. Step out of your seat right now. It could be the pain of a wayward child. It could be the pain of a tragic event in your life. It could be the pain of betrayal. There are so many things that we deal with in this life, so many things that have caused us to doubt in God. And I want you to come forward at this moment. Just, you're doing this for yourself. You're doing this for yourself. You're doing this for yourself. God, today we as a church family, we place our pain into your hands. We can't do anything with this pain. It has plagued us for too long. It has determined our course too long. It, is, it has changed our behavior for too long. It has deprived us of joy for too long. It's been a filter in our life for too long. And we don't want to live this way. We can't live this way. It's exhausting living this way. It's not the way you designed us. It's not the way you created us. It's not the way that culture teaches us to respond. It's your way, God, and it looks upside down, but it is, it is, God, it is. We're trusting you. We're trusting you. We are trusting you. And before I go forward, I just, I just know without a question in my mind, I, I just sense God saying to pause because there are some of you fighting this, just fighting it. I'll just avoid it. I'll get over it on my own. Please respond. Please respond. This could be, this could be big in your life. This could jumpstart something special in your life. You could have your very best days in front of you you'll trust God with the pain of your life with the confusion of your life with the confusion of your life I'll just ask if our pastors would come our board would come just we just want to stand beside those in our in our family. This is God honoring. This is how Jesus came in, in full humility, full peace. morning. He is calling you this morning. <laughs> This morning, we invite you into our brokenness. We invite you into our pain. We invite you into our confusion. We invite you into our anger. We invite you into our bitterness. We place all of that into your hands and we trust you.